Let's be the people that know who we want to be and go out in the world and live it. I want to be the person that's kind and friendly and loving to everyone. And that means if I'm interacting with you in a coffee shop or you're helping me bag the groceries or I'm working with you at the bank, like I really believe that if you were just like, if I walked away from someone that I had just been interacting with, if I walked away from that barista and you're like, hey, how was that customer? I really hope to God that they'd be like, oh, she is the best. She comes in here every day. She's so joyful. She's so kind. She tips 100%. She's the best. I want to be that in every part of my life, not just the parts that are fancy, not just the big business meeting, not just you know, the board meeting where everyone's looking at you. Let's be that in every part of our life. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Today, we're talking about leadership. I mean, this subject, this subject has been discussed from probably every angle under the sun forever and ever, amen, and it's been discussed by some of the world's greatest minds and thinkers and teachers and pastors and leaders. And it's also been discussed by me. I've written about leadership and talked about it quite a bit. And that has come from, gosh, I guess, however many years of entrepreneurship at this point, 18, 19, I always forget the exact number, but I have owned a company for a very long time. And I got my first employee probably a year and a half in to having the company. So I've had employees and freelancers and partners and contract workers and, you know, 60 full-time salaried 401k health insurance employees. And I've had teams where it was just freelancers. I've sort of done everything in between. And beyond how leadership shows up in business, I think it's also really important to understand that when we talk about leadership, I really believe that means leading your family. That means leading your friend group, your community, the people at school, the people at church. I think that each and every one of us has influence in our own way, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, whether you have a team below you at work or you're a mighty one-man army, whatever it looks like. I believe that we all lead, even if the only person that you're leading is yourself. And so I thought it would be interesting to explore this topic through the lens of how I see it today, because I think that going through COVID changed 
obviously so many things, but it definitely changed the way that I lead myself and it changed the way I lead my children and it changed the way I lead my team. And I thought it might be interesting to hear about those shifts and see if they resonate with you or if there's something that might be helpful to you in your own life. As always, with the ideas I share, take what works for you and leave the rest. But here is what I thought of when I thought of this term. I guess I want to start with definitions because I really love words and I love their meaning and I always think that there's deeper meaning in the meaning or even the root word or whatever. But leadership means to lead a group or an organization somewhere, right? That That is to lead. What I actually think of as true leadership or the way that I try to approach this topic is really stewardship. Stewardship was a word that I grew up hearing a lot about because I grew up in the church and you know, I always heard those scriptures that were like to be a good steward or what does it mean to be a good steward? And it was a word that I sort of had whispered over me a lot over the last 18 months. And I say that phrase a lot. I say like the words that I hear whispered or when you hear me talk about that, if you're not familiar or you're new to the podcast or we're new friends and we're hanging out, I really try and listen to that inner knowing. I try and listen to the universe. I try and hear whispers from God and what she wants me to know today. And so when I talk about hearing things or feeling things or sensing them, that's what I'm referring to. And as a side note, I did have a really fun conversation with my five-year-old daughter the other night at the dinner table because I said she in reference to God and Noah got very upset. She said, God is a man. Mommy, God is a boy. Yeah, she didn't say, she didn't say man. She said boy. Mommy, God is a boy. Everybody knows that God is a boy. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try my very best to explain this to a five-year-old. And I was, I was like, you know what? Baby, I believe that too when I was your age. And what I understand now is that God is bigger than anything, right? God's bigger than if, if you believe in God, right? If you're listening to this and you're someone who believes in God and who has faith, then you know that God is is bigger, right? Like we believe that they created the heavens and the earth and they've been here since the beginning. They're the alpha, they're the omega, all of that stuff, right? But they don't have a gender, right? Like everybody understands that the gender of God was assigned. And this is me like trying to explain this to a five-year-old girl who's looking at me like I'm crazy. So I said, you know, you believe, we know that God, you know, made this and God made that and God made us and God's in our hearts and leads us and all those things. And she's like, yeah. And I said, and if they're that big, like, it's almost like, you know, they're a superhero, they're, they're magic. There's something so much bigger than we understand, then they're not a boy or a girl. And she's sort of like, okay. And I said, so if they're not a boy or a girl, then they can be either. And if they can be either, I think we should call her a she. It's that simple. Um, Glennon Doyle writes about this in Untamed, and I loved her explanation of it. But I think, you know, gender was assigned to God by humans, and it was assigned to God by the humans who were writing 
those words and the people who were doing that were men. So, of course, they made God in their image. And there's a great old quote about this that says, when you make God man, you make man God. And all of that to say, (laughs) words have power. And so I tried to explain this the other night to Noah at the dinner table. And it's also why I think it matters how you define the way that you want to lead and the word that makes the most sense to you. So the word that I had whispered over me a lot was stewardship. And I really loved this idea because to lead is, you could lead people in a lot of ways, right? You could yell at them. You could just give them directions. You could move forward and they could follow behind you. But the definition of stewardship is to take care of, to take care of an organization, a group of people, a project, to take care of. And I love this word so much to be totally honest with you, because coming out of divorce, there was and still is a very great financial burden that I took on post-divorce. And I support my family and it it's a lot. It's a lot of things that happened post-divorce. And I'd never really found myself in a situation like that before. And I'd never found myself in a situation at that magnitude. And I started to have some fear around, oh my gosh, like, do I know how to do this? And what does this mean? And all of that, all of that fear started to bubble up. And so I just kept hearing that word again and again, stewardship, be a good steward, be a good steward. And what that means to me is to be a caretaker of what is already in your care. I think sometimes the idea or the aspirational vision of leading is about wanting more. It's wanting more power. It's wanting more influence. It's wanting, you know, there's ego involved. And we don't like to admit that, but it is the case. Sometimes we have leadership thrust upon us and we don't really have a choice, but there are often times that we want to take on a leadership role because that ego part of us is like, we want, you know, what comes with it. And so I love the idea of stewardship because it says, let me take really good care of what is already mine. Let me take really good care of this place that I get to live in. Let me take really good care of the friendships, the relationships that I already have. Let me take really good care and therefore really appreciate what's already in my life. I just, I think this concept is so beautiful and I really do aspire to live my life more fully in the idea of being a good steward of what I already have. And I think that when you are a good steward of what you already have, that's when you are able to manifest more without effort. So I love the idea of taking care of and your definition of leadership can be very different. How do you want to show up as a leader in the world? I think this is really valuable for those of you who have online communities, whether you've got a YouTube channel, your own podcast, you're building a social following. There's a lot of people who rush to be influencers, but don't really think about which values they want to have influence over. There's a lot of people who will sort of obsess over... um, 
having a certain amount of likes or having a certain amount of followers or creating, you know, a, an ideal of why people should want to follow them instead of actually living life in a way that's worth following. I find this really funny. And I think, I mean, obviously we get this so wrong with social media all the time, but I just had this happen and I think it's so wild. And I know you guys will think this is wild too. Um, I think we have gotten into a really warped mentality of what is worth following. And I don't mean like entertainment and, you know, celebrity, like whatever, live your life. I don't care. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what we perceive as true, what we perceive as valuable or the stories that we make up in our heads about who or what a leader is. And I saw this play out in a really interesting way. Um, I have very intentionally not, I, I talk a lot about my boyfriend, who I love very much. I have talked about him a lot, but I have intentionally not really, I don't think I've ever shown a picture of us together. I intentionally don't say his name. Um, I've put him on my Instagram and I've tagged him and like, there's some people who are very interested in me on the internet. So they figured out that we were in a relationship almost before we did, which was pretty crazy. Um, but I haven't really showed that a ton. And it's with intention because never again in my life will I give something so sacred to the public my marriage had a lot of a lot of things wrong with it and unfortunately more of those have been made apparent to me after the divorce but if we just sort of very organically began to do things together and show things and obviously we had conferences and we did live streams and we were in pictures and all those things. And it felt very organic to me back in the day. And then it just sort of becomes your way of life. And I refuse to ever do that again. You and I both know that relationships, like your romantic partner is one of the most sacred, most beautiful, most emotionally charged, difficult, like it's all the things. And it takes so much effort and so much work to have that thrive. And when you make it public, it's almost like there's a third person in that relationship now. And so just as a as an intention, I was just like, I'm not going to do that again. And I really only have posted photos when I have just because this person is very important in my life and I want people to know. And every once in a while, quite honestly, like random guys who have my number who are like in the business don't realize that I'm not single. And so they'll hit me up and I'm like, oh Lord, literally, if you've seen a picture of my boyfriend, it's because I'm like, I need to let people know to please leave me alone. That's a whole other podcast guys. But on the flip side, my boo very rarely does social media. 
Like if you look at his Instagram, he posts like once every six months. He's just, it's not his thing. And it's actually one of the things I love about him. He's very present. He's very much in the world, like with you. He's not trying to, he does not care about the perception of what it is. He cares about what it actually is. And I announced tour the other day and I was so excited and he's seen me work on this project for like a year and he's so lovely. And he posted my tour announcement on his Instagram. It was the first time he had posted in like six months and he just like put it up there. And I was on Instagram and it came through my feed and I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. Like, what a sweet thing to do. And I just like hearted it. And I saw all my best friends and my family was like loving on it, whatever. And I happened to see that this person wrote what I believe was her attempt to support me, but wrote such a mean, honestly, pretty hateful comment about how long it had taken him to post a picture of me. And it was like, I can't like, you know, way to finally grow some balls or it was so hateful. I was shocked that she wrote it. And she was like, she's been talking about you for a year. And like, you've barely posted about her. Like, it was so mean. And he, I was like, oh, babe, like someone wrote. And he was like, oh my gosh, how crazy. Like, I don't care that she doesn't even know me. And I was like, well, I really wish that I had that perspective about social media comments. But what I was most amazed by is that we as a society have a perception about our leaders that says, if you show me the right images, then I'm going to think you're a good leader. And y'all, I know what it feels like to have someone show the right images. And it's not what's happening in real life. So I just thought, wow, this is a really interesting dichotomy. I honestly, my res- I was going to comment and then I was like, no, I don't want to because I think she's actually trying to be supportive, like sisters before misters vibe. I almost commented and said like, oh, you'll have to forgive him. He's been so busy giving me multiple orgasms that he hasn't had, had time to post. Um, but then I thought that might be inappropriate. <laughs> so I'm just telling you guys because there you go. Um But I just thought, wow, we really have a warped perception. And I don't know how to fix the perception of the world. And maybe that won't ever change. Maybe we will always believe that if someone has the right glossy enough, filtered enough, special enough, posed enough photo, then that's a representation of who they are as a person. But what I know to be true about how I want to lead is by example. I am never going to have a social media presence or a, I'm using air quotes, you can't see me, or a brand that's perfectly polished because I'm not perfectly polished. I'm so flawed. And I've been really open about how often I've messed up very publicly. And I keep trying. And I keep trying because those are the leaders that I admire. The people that say like, man, I don't have this, but I, I will keep showing up for those things that are within my care. 
that I am a steward of. I am, I am trying to be a good steward. And it matters to me. And I hope as, as members of this community, it matters to you how we lead. It matters that we show with our actions. It matters that you live every part of your life in a way that's in alignment. It matters that you practice what you preach. It matters that what you put out in the world is a a match to what is happening inside your heart and your home. And if it's not, then it doesn't mean that you're a piece of crap, but it does mean that you probably need to pull things back inside and do what is in alignment with who you are. Because I think that's how we grow and become better. I never knew any other way as a leader, as a boss, like going back to the very beginning, than just saying like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I did not know that. Or I'm so sorry. I screwed up. Or I'm so sorry. I've never had to give feedback to a coworker before and I feel a little nervous. So I'm going to ask you to pre-forgive me for if I, you know, fumble and get this message wrong. There's a humanness in that. I think that when we believe that we have to be this sort of idealized leader, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. A steward doesn't tell people that they have it all figured out. They tell people that they care. And that's what I'm trying to do. I also really wanted to touch on the subject of servant leadership because that was a core in the Hollis Co., the, you know, the business that I built with my ex-husband that got, you know, so big and was so much. And um, that was a core value of ours. And that was this description that I had always loved. And I realized in retrospect, I had heard that description most from men. And most often it was men, you know, it was sort of growing up in a church environment or I heard it from organizations that maybe had some, you know, faith-based background. And so I heard this idea of servant leadership a lot and I loved it. I loved the idea. But if I'm honest, I feel like in retrospect, servant leadership can almost be a little bit dangerous for women who were raised to be people pleasers. So servant leadership is this idea that you are of service to those in your on your team, to your children, to all of those things. And I think that most women, I'm not going to say all women, but I think that most women and lots of men might do that naturally. And so when you add on the label of, oh, and you also have to be a servant leader, some at least in my experience, some lines get crossed or some boundaries get crossed or you almost, I'm not even going to say you, I'm going to say me. Um, I have felt like at times that I have experienced extreme burnout. I have run myself into the ground. I have done things like abused my body by pushing too hard, by pushing too much because I was being, I'm using air quotes, like a servant leader because it was my job to be of service to my team. And just so we're clear, 
I don't actually think that that's what people mean by that word. I don't think that when, you know, the Ramsey organization is talking about servant leadership, I don't think that they mean it the way I was practicing it, which is why I'm mentioning it. I think it can be a really beautiful ideal, especially if you're someone who knows that maybe you need to keep a little bit of your ego in check and that you can get a little bit too full of yourself. I think that when you have, like me, been raised to be a people pleaser or been raised to take care of others or been raised to put others in front of yourself, that can be a bit dangerous because, yeah, it's just the lines get worked. And it's not even necessarily people coming up to me like the evil character in an old silent film, like twisting the edges of his mustache, being like, push harder, go more. But it inevitably became that because it would be like, well, can you just do this? Could you add that on? Hey, we know you're already on the road for four days this week, but we really have to have this video shoot on Friday or our editors aren't going to be. And I would just say, yes, 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 yes. I said yes for, you know, 18 months and was so depleted. And thank God for the slowness of those months during 2020. Not thank God for everything that happened. Like the pandemic was and still is horrific. But I do believe that even in the hardest seasons, we can find goodness. And the goodness for me was getting to slow down long enough to understand how many boundaries I was letting be crossed by my team and just by the structure of like, well, I've got to be a good servant to this team. And so that means I should, you know, destroy myself in the process. So I just wanted to mention that one as you think about what kind of leader you want to be. I think there are so many incredible books on this topic. John Maxwell is a a dear friend and mentor of mine, and he's sort of the godfather of conversations about leadership. And I think there are people who are evolving that conversation. Simon Sinek has uh, talked about it. There's lots of incredible female executives who have written books about it. I think that there's power in sort of exploring a bunch of different perspectives to decide what yours is. And right now in my life, this idea of stewardship is really beautiful. But y'all, I don't know, 10 years from now, I might have a totally different answer for you. I hope I do. I hope that my views on everything keep changing and getting better and getting more full and whole and centered. But for right now, stewardship is where I'm sticking to. And I also thought this was a powerful one to mention because the way that I do business is very different than it used to be. Real quick, I just want to say I'm talking about all sorts of business things and I think I'm explaining it well, but if you ever hear me talking on podcasts about something, you're like, oh, go deeper on that or I didn't understand this, please call the hotline. I get so many DMs on Instagram that it's very hard for me I I do get in there and answer some, but there's just too many. But the hotline, we hear them all. So if you've got a question in the show notes, I want you to head over and um, call the hotline and ask me the question and maybe we'll turn it into an episode. But in any event, we do business very differently now than we used to. And the mentality with the team coming outside of COVID is really everyone works remotely. We don't have an office. We do get together 
I don't know, I would say every couple weeks, either for a group meeting, we'll go grab coffee or we'll end up having a shoot that we're all together for and we'll kind of combine things. So I see the team pretty regularly. We obviously do Zoom calls and Slack and the whole deal. We feel very connected, but we really function in a get your work done. That's how we function. At my company, it's get your work done. And sometimes like when we have a big launch, um, leading into the launch of announcing cities for the tour this fall, that was huge. That took every hand on deck. Everybody worked on it. And almost everyone on the team was present that whole weekend getting ready to do that thing. And that meant a lot of work, right? Everyone was like working, hustling, doing all that they could that week before. But most of the time, I could not tell you if Jack is editing videos at 2 a.m. or 3 p.m. I have no idea. And frankly, I don't care. Everyone on my team has results that they are turning in, not time. So frankly, I could have people on my team that are actually working four hours a week and I'd be pumped for them. Congratulations. Like, I hope you're accomplishing all your things in that amount of time. Go lay on the beach, go run by the lake, go live your life. Because that was one of the gifts that came out of the pandemic was understanding we're not aiming for like you living your life working. We're aiming for you living your life. And this work should support your ability to do that. But how can we do that in a way that feels really good? Frankly, I don't want to be working eight hours a day. Right now, it feels a little intense. It feels like I'm working a ton, probably because I'm working at home in the summertime with all four of my kids here and no help. So every four minutes, someone comes in and asks me to make them a grilled cheese or tells me that their sister's bugging them or whatever. So I feel like I'm filling up most of the day. But typically, if I'm in Austin and the kids are in school, I probably work three hours a day. Maybe because we figured it out. And that's also why I think the stewardship idea works really well, because I want to care and love for the people who are on my team, but I'm not trying to like, yeah, let me, let me explain that a little bit better. This is not going to work for everyone. I'm laughing thinking of my friend Tom or my friend Russell, like I'm laughing, imagining them saying that they don't care. <laughs> when and how their employees work because everybody has different things. And honestly, if you own a coffee shop or a bakery or a grocery store or a gas station or a million other businesses that require people to be there, you don't have that luxury. I understand. I'm in a business that affords us the opportunity to surround ourselves with the kind of people that we are and I am the kind of person who wants to be able to live a really good life. And to live a really good life does not mean working eight hours a day. It used to. Back in the day, I used to think I had to work 10 or 12 hours a day in order for me to be doing a good job. Now I understand that, honestly, you want to talk about leadership? Leading others with what really matters what really matters to me is not ever getting burnt out again. What really matters is being centered and being grounded and living my life in a way that fully 
manages and overcomes anxiety. I I don't want to ever have another anxiety attack again. I don't ever want to experience crazy hormonal mood swings again. And I have to really take care of my health in order for those things to be true. And I'm working with a team of people who have their own version of that. And if I'm telling them that that loving yourself and values and personal health and emotional health, if I'm telling them that that matters, but them not showing them with my actions, it's the same as those people who put the really pretty picture on Instagram when on the inside, they're a really ugly person. And you and I all know those people. So let's not be them in our leadership, in our lives, like let's be the people that know who we want to be and go out in the world and live it. I want to be the person that's kind and friendly and loving to everyone. And that means if I'm interacting with you in a coffee shop or you're helping me bag the groceries or I'm working with you at the bank, like I really believe that I, most people don't know who I am or what I do, but that if you were just like, if I walked away from someone that I had just been interacting with, if I walked away from that barista and you're like, Hey, how was that customer? I really hope to God that they'd be like, Oh, she is the best. She comes in here every day. She's so joyful. She's so kind. She tips a hundred percent. She's the best. I want to be that in every part of my life, not just the parts that are fancy not just the big business meeting, not just, you know, the board meeting where everyone's looking at you. Let's be that in every part of our life. That being said, the most important thing that you can do as a leader, the most, like there's nothing more important than this. You must be able to lead yourself first. Lots of people fake this. Lots of people fake this. They're out of control. They're a mess. They can't keep any of the promises they make to themselves. And meanwhile, they're trying to lead a team of people. And there is a cognitive dissonance between how they are attempting to show up and who they actually are. And again, if you take a real cold, hard look at yourself, which is freaking brutal, by the way, it sucks to have to be honest with yourself about like, yep, that's still messed up. Yep, I'm still triggered by this. Yep, I'm still doing that dumb thing. Yeah, it sucks, but you are never going to get better if you don't notice it. I was having, um, I, I told you guys, if you listened to the podcast on Tuesday, I was talking about, I had a really hard week last week. Hormones were whacked and I was really stressing about it because as a personal thing, I am very triggered by feeling like I'm going backwards. I have zero problem with acknowledging that I am living life in the wrong way or doing something wrong or I need to grow. I don't struggle with that. I struggle with, oh, it's been six months and uh-oh, I started doing that thing again. That that really hurts my heart. And so I was having a hard week and I was feeling really frustrated because I worked so hard on balancing my hormones and I couldn't figure out why they were so whacked out. I eventually did. If you listen to Tuesday's episode, you know. But I was talking to my boyfriend about this and I was just like, oh, I'm so frustrated that I'm 
like doing this again. And he was like, oh, baby, like there was a time where you were in this and you couldn't even notice it when it was happening. He's like, you are a miracle. You are a wonder. Like just the fact that you are paying such attention to this process that you know the moment that your body is struggling and that you can try and take steps to support it. He's like, baby, you have never had that ever in your life. You have the awareness. Having the awareness is huge and you need to give yourself credit for that. So if you find yourself as a leader and you feel like you're not practicing what you preach, it doesn't mean that you need to hold shame about that and let that shame debilitate you. Your guilt will not fix anything. But you could start by saying, okay, what's one thing? What is one thing that I can do to take a step closer to who I say that I am? One thing. Honestly, you know your team, you know your people, you know your kids. Because allowing them to see you try and take that step, even if they see you struggle or stumble or fall and need to get back up, is hugely powerful in terms of inspiration. You know, like there are those, there's all those videos, right? Like the Olympics come around, Summer Olympics, and they have all these videos of the fastest runners in the world and they're running the races and crossing the finish lines. And those are amazing. But the videos that make me ball my eyeballs out are the ones where someone falls. Like, did you ever see that? Oh God, it's so good. There's like this old video. I think it's like Visa and it's voiced by Morgan Freeman. And it's this guy who's running a race. And right after he, it's a sprint, right after he, the gun goes off and he starts running, he pulls like a hamstring and he just crumbles to the ground. And he's out of the race, like a million people. They've all passed him. They're across the finish line. And he's laying on the ground sobbing. And Morgan Freeman in his amazing voice is like, you know, John Smith. I don't know the guy's name. John Smith trained for four years to go to the blah, blah, blah Olympics. And John Smith is ready. And John Smith, and he's like, and John Smith didn't win a medal at the race that day. And the whole time Morgan Freeman's talking and this kid's laying on the ground sobbing, you see this older man running down from the stands. And this old man hops the, hops the stands and runs onto the field. And you realize it's this kid's dad. Oh, I'm going to cry right now telling you the story. And he helps this kid stand up and the, the kid is bawling. Please go find this video. It's amazing. And he's bawling and he the dad puts the kid's arm around his shoulder and the kid's limping. And Morgan Freeman's like, John Smith did not win an Olympic medal that day. But John Smith and his father did finish. And it shows the dad help this kid limp across the finish line while they're both crying. <sighs> That's the freaking story, you guys. I don't know about you, but I'm not inspired by just seeing someone nail it flawlessly. I'm inspired by the people who find a way to keep going, who show us their flaws, who stand up and try again. And I think that if you recognize in your own life that there's some work you need to do to be in closer alignment with the leader or the steward or the teacher or the pastor or the boss or the mother, sister, friend, 
that you want to be, I don't think there's shame in that. I think there's beauty. Most people will go through their entire lives and never have an honest conversation about how they could get better. But you're here and you're listening to this and you're taking it in and that means something. So you must lead yourself first. Three things that I think of when it comes to leadership that you, at least I think, we need to have. The first thing is vision. A leader has to have vision. They have to know where they're going, right? If I'm a steward of this team, if I care about this team at work, if I care about, obviously, my children and my family, I have to know where we're going. And what that looks like for our family is knowing who I want us to be. Not who I want us to be as like, I want that kid to be a doctor or a lawyer because that is not how my mind works at all. But who I want my children to be as humans, the compassion I want them to have, the hearts I want them to have, the, the care, the freedom I want them to have. Like I have to know what it is I want to pass on or to grow up in them or I can't lead them anywhere. So... I'm curious if you're listening to this, whoever it is that you're leading, even if it's leading yourself, have you sat down and written the vision of what you're doing? It's shocking to me how few people actually bring intentionality into something as important as leading other humans. This is a thing that I've experienced a lot as the leader of a business when our teams would get bigger and bigger. You'd have people, especially younger people, and I get this because I used to be this person who wanted so badly to get to the level of manager. They wanted to be a manager. You'd have, you know, young people in 24, 25 who want to be a manager. And there's a big difference. There's like just a massive difference between someone Let's say at our company, you would the next step after coordinator would be a manager level. But to actually get to a place where you can manage other people, that's a skill. That's a job. You don't just get to be a manager because you've been there long enough. This is a problem that so many companies make. So many churches make, so many schools make, is saying like, oh, you've got tenure? I guess you can lead people. I know you must have experienced a boss in your life that was a monster that had no idea how to lead and did not give a crap. And they got to be a leader because they had been there long enough. That was it. So if you really want that, you have to have a vision for yourself in that role and you have to have a vision for your team. That's a massive step in the right direction. Where are we going? And next is how are we going to get there? It's not enough to say, this is the spot on the map that I want to head. Because this is another thing that I've seen a lot in organizations is people who are like, I want to go to this spot on the map. You guys figure it out. Okay. Well, how? I I think that leaders need to be solution-oriented. 
you don't have to know the minutia. If, you, if you're lucky enough to have a team, yes, let those people figure out the detailed steps to get you there. But you could be like, I want to build a rocket ship. Okay, tell us how. Tell us how we're going to do it. Like give us not just the destination, but the vision of what it's going to look like on the road there. Because what a leader can do is keep everybody on the path when we lose faith, when we lose hope, when we're unsure. Oh my gosh, when when we went into lockdown, 60 employees, we'd never worked remotely like most companies and no idea what we were doing. And I'll tell you what, I did not know what I was doing, but I was like, I will be damned if I show anybody on this team that I'm scared or that I'm unsure because right now the whole freaking world is terrified and privately or like with the other leaders at the company. Yeah. Let's all sit in a room and crap our pants together. And we did many times, but on a team meeting or whatever. Yeah. I'd say like, this sucks. And I know you guys are also trying to figure out how to work from home. And there's a lot to this and we feel alienated and closed off and scared all of it. But when it comes to the vision of where we're going and what we're doing, I had to know the answer. I had to know the answer. Because if I get up there and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, that's petrifying. Someone said this once years ago. And I don't know if it's going to resonate with you. I know I reference often um, things from the church because that's just so much of my background. But someone said once, you know, they're like in the Bible, Jesus would heal people who were sick and uh, someone would come to him and, you know, he would do healings. The person said, when someone came to Jesus and they had a problem or they were sick, they never wanted Jesus to be sick with them. They never wanted him to have a problem too. They came to him because they wanted hope. And I think that having a vision, even if you're honest about like, hey, I mess up sometimes and hey, I'm working on this area of my life, but I still know where we're going. That really, really matters. The last thing that I wanted to say on this topic is not just a vision, but also I think as a leader, you've got to have your own evolution, at least to me. You must evolve to show others how to evolve. You must evolve so that your vision can increase. You've got to keep learning and growing and becoming a better version of you so that the vision grows along beside you. What's that scripture? I'm getting real biblical on you today. <laughs> Did not mean to. Uh, but what's that? what's that scripture without... Without vision, the people perish. Yeah, the vision has to increase. And the only way it's going to increase is that you evolve and become more. And when I say that the vision evolves, I don't mean that it's like, oh, we go from a million dollars to a hundred million dollars to a billion dollars. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Hopefully as you evolve as a human being, you have more empathy and sympathy for other human beings. 
You start to ask how the work that you're doing can be helpful and effective to more people, can can permeate, can change the lives of your team, can change the lives of your community. How can we make this matter more? That's what I mean by evolution. And what's interesting, and you need to hear this right now, is that when we evolve, we often will lose people along the way. When we evolve, that evolution will naturally remove those who aren't evolving at the same pace. I am positive I have lost so many fans and listeners to the show when I started to talk more about spirituality and manifesting and when I started to talk about my faith in terms of something much bigger than the religion I was raised inside of. And I really believe and try and practice that there's space for both those things in our world. I think that God is so much bigger than any one person could try and nail down. And so that's where I'm at. And I talk about it quite a bit, but I'm positive that there are so many people who don't still listen to the show because they only wanted to hear from the version of me that I was five years ago, whose faith was much smaller because that's where they are and that's what makes them feel comfortable. And that's okay. I don't need to try and explain my evolution to others. That's not my job. Remember, my job is to be a steward of those in my care. And if you're still here, then the way that I know best to do this work is to do it from the evolved place that I'm at today. And what's interesting is that the numbers of this show, like the listeners that we have and the downloads have never been bigger. Because when we lose, we're always terrified that we're going to lose a segment of people. But the truth is, as you're losing, the evolution is also bringing new people in. So there is no fear. There is just the work that we're trying to do and how well we can do it in a way that feels authentic to us. So that's what I'm thinking about leadership right now, guys. And like I said, maybe over time, it changes again. But I hope that our conversation today made you think a little differently about leadership, even if it was just to ask yourself the question of what does it mean to you? You could have heard my definition and be like, that chick is crazy. No, but maybe that will prompt you to define it along your terms. I'm Rachel Hollis. I really appreciate you hanging out with me. I would love, love, love if you could share this episode on your social or with someone you think could use it. And until I see you next time, I want you to remember always, 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 I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.